love I need Maybe more than enough Oh, darling, darling, darling Walk a while with me Oh, you got so much I really need so much I have to have so much episode, something that I wasn't going to do, and um, I'm going to try to think of a snazzy little title to put on here, I actually thought of one way home from Jiu-Jitsu, but um, I guess it's going to be the uh, Amanda, uh, the Amanda pullout from UFC 213, Real Talk, I think that's what we're going to call it, so let's, let's go with that, Real Talk. So anyway, uh, welcome back to MMA BJJ and Life. I'm your host, DJ San Marco. And um, this is something that's been burning in my brain for several days. So it's going to be the last word, or at least my last word. There's going to be many other last words relative to this. But but I'm going to bring it real on here because um, because uh, I think there's... Uh, I think there's uh, been some crap and some bullshittery going on here, and I don't have any evidence to prove that, but I'm going to give you some circumstantial evidence and see what you guys think of that and see where we can see where we can go with that. And the reason that that I wanted to do this, and I'm not even going to use any notes tonight, was um, I had written in an uh, article on uh, Bloody Elbow's uh, fan post that says, You've got Amanda's back, how about Valentina, where I pointed out a bunch of the ways that it really hurts a fighter like uh, Valentina Shevchenko when she goes, she weighs in. Well, you know, in this case, she had an international camp that went from Peru to Thailand, where she worked worked out at Tiger Muay Thai, then it went to Texas, where she worked on some jiu-jitsu stuff, and wrestling and then it went to um to Denver where she worked on her cardio a brilliant setup that she had and um to be in that situation and then not get to fight and your opponent trained at ATT for the entire camp where it's traditionally very low fees they have a lot of fighters they have great coaching there they have a beautiful new facility there um and Traditionally, I believe, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, they put 5% toward the uh, your fight purse goes to the gym as opposed to 10% or in some cases there ends up being 20%. Now, there may be some little extras that she puts in, I'm not sure, but that's what I was told. Anyway, it's far different than having to take your camp to two different countries and three different locations. Um, that's a, a pretty big deal what Valentina did. And then uh, to show up there, weigh in, face off, the whole nine yards. And then your opponent say, I can't go. And then it's not quite clear what happened to her. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And so just to give you an idea of what sparked this, I really, 
I actually uh, had uh, been messaging with Alexi Old of um, of um, BloodyElbow.com. He is a partner on the show. Um, if I did it with uh, Kid Nate Wilcox and Eugene S. Robinson, and he's a, a brilliant man. And I was just kind of going back and forth, said, "Man, I, you know, these are my sort of private thoughts on this issue," and I laid them out for him. And I said, "But I'm not going to." say that in in uh, in public because I don't have proof of what I believe but there's something about it that that really pissed me off and it may be unfounded but I'm going to lay it out there for you guys and if I'm wrong you can tweet me at MMA underscore BJJ underscore and life on Twitter um, and you can get at me at uh, DJ San Marco one at gmail.com if you want to tell me that I'm an idiot or something like that. Um, and I'm willing to entertain any such talk. <laughs> so fear not about that. Um, so here we go. Um, so this is sort of what I said. Um, and I heard them speaking about it on If I Did It. And they posed the question, um, do you buy the sinuses excuse from Amanda? And I said to Alexi, my private answer is no. And now I'm going to make my public answer no. That I don't buy it. But I want to preface my comments with this. I have met Amanda once um, when I was with Honey Marks at UFC Fort Campbell. And Amanda fought on that card. And I got to uh, just meet her in the hotel and exchanged some pleasantries with her and Facebook and stuff. I don't think I got to interview her uh, for the show. I don't believe that I that I got to. I was podcasting back at that time on a different under a different name. I think it was the Nicoa MMA show at that time or possibly uh, the DJ MMA show. I'm not positive. In any case, I didn't uh, don't think that I interviewed her, but I did get to speak with her and I just think she's a lovely person and uh because of where she comes from, you know, my wife grew up about three hours south of where, uh, or three hours north of where uh, Amanda's from. In um, my wife grew up in Hesife. She's in Nordestina, just like um, Amanda is. And so I have a propensity to like people from Brazil. I, I tend to root for people from Brazil. I lived there for a little bit after my Air Force career. I'm steeped in the culture and and all those sorts of things so that's my thing so this is not a I don't like Amanda or I'm anti-Brazilian like Dana White but what engendered this conversation today was and what I want to get to you guys this is what I want to get to you on this show I want to point out things to you that not everybody is talking about for example right now everybody's talking about Ramzan uh, Ramzan Kaidrov, the uh, quote-unquote dictator in uh, Chechnya and his involvement in MMA and, and all the crazy things uh, that he's got going on and our UFC fighters. We'll get to that later. Well, Jordan Breen was talking about that issue two or three years ago. Unfortunately, he didn't get it to enough outlights. Congratulations to Karim Zidane. We may end up having him on the show to talk about it, some of these uh, issues uh, at the behest of a, a friend of mine on um, 
a friend of mine on Twitter, and I want to say his name here, Liam, uh, Twitter shit, at Twitter shit, Liam on Twitter is just an awesome guy. He's a fan of Eugene S. Robinson. He's the one who told me I should have on Kareem Zidane, and he was right. Uh, he's a genius. So, um, But anyway, Jordan Breen actually brought that story up at least two years ago, at least. And I was not, it didn't resonate with me, and now it really is. And it goes to show that I didn't have the depth at that time to be able to process that this was a really, really bad thing that that um, that Kaidorov was doing. And he knew that Fabrizio Verdun was going over there and shooting AK-47s and posting it on Instagram and all these things. And that story was out there at least a couple of years ago. Um, thankfully, Karim Zidane has gotten it to HBO and, and it's become a bigger issue. But... Um, that's the kind of thing that I like to do on this show is to point out something. We talked about Ronda Rousey. I've told you that Edmund Tarverdian is going to come out. He's going to do an interview that, that, that tells you that uh, I believe Ronda will come back for one more shot. But, but if I'm wrong on that, I'm telling you I'm 100% right. Edmund will come out and tell you that he built an entire training regime around hiding Ronda's weaknesses, not letting her spar, do open sparring uh, the entire time. She wasn't getting hit in the face, and um, he was able to build that into what you saw until she ended up facing down people that he was not able to hide her weaknesses. It was brilliant while it lasted, and the competition was relatively weak, and then it it fell apart with, obviously, with Holly Holm and then Amanda Nunes, etc. So, Edmund went. The more distance uh, is created between he and Ronda, you will hear him do that interview. And I've told you way before. I've told you when they first started talking about that this was going to happen with Conor McGregor and uh, Mayweather. I told you as soon as that was announced, I said he will come back and fight MMA. And I'm a hundred percent sure. I don't care how much money he makes or what the result is on the 26th. Okay. So now with Amanda Nunes, so I was, I called a friend of mine today who's been on the program for Nick Cazono. Nick is a, um, he is a jiu-jitsu player like myself. He's a purple belt under uh, Helsing Gracie and now at Brea Jiu-Jitsu in California. And um, Nick is a bass player for the uh, approach and the execution. And he had said to me, when we finally got in touch today after a week or two, he said to me the first thing, yeah, isn't that Dana White, man? What a jackass downing his fighters. And it occurred to me that every freaking MMA scribe and every person on Twitter sitting there saying, Dana White's a jackass. I'm like, what kind of a fucking take is that? That's like, you're telling me, I walk outside, there's no clouds, I look up, the sky's blue. Is that a take? Okay, Dana White's a jerk to fighters. And he's a petulant child sometimes. Is that a take? That is the same shit he's been doing for years to John Jones when they canceled 151. And by the way, I agreed with Dana on that one as well. Um, And with countless other fighters, Demetrius Johnson, an absolute dream for any promoter, Chris Cyborg, um, uh, somebody who can make money for the promotion, Tyron Woodley, George St. Pierre at other times, 
you could go on and on and on with all the Randy Couture. You could go on and on and on with the people that Dana has trashed that are that are people who are really good for the UFC and really good for uh, for MMA. So and he again and and the 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 podcast episode directly before this card this weekend this UFC 213. Uh, International Fight Week where they canceled the main event because Amanda Nunes needed to pull out due to a undisclosed and then disclosed illness of sinusitis. Before all that, I did 15 or 20 minutes on my podcast on Dana's screwed up business model of scratching and denting fighters and asking and posing the question, how do you, what business model are you following that says we take a depreciable asset we damage it, and then we expect to gain income or revenue from that asset that we purposely damaged. And how crazy that is. That is the very definition of insanity. We keep doing the same thing and we expect a different result. So yes, that's stupid that Dana does that. And I agree with all of you that he should have come out and covered for Amanda and said that she has an unknown illness. We don't know what it is. We're certain that it's something that's fairly serious. And we stand by her at this time until the doctors figure out what it is. And we'll let y'all know. But as of right now, we don't know exactly what's wrong with her. She's not, not well. Any sort of a statement like that. But he didn't. Because he was angry and he acted out of anger like a child and threw his toys against the wall. Okay, so... Everybody had that freaking take. So if you're coming out and saying and having that take on Twitter, you know, great. What are you pointing out the obvious? It's like pointing out that the sky is blue. It's stupid. What I want to find out is why Amanda pulled out of this thing. And these are the areas that I am looking at this. This is the prism that I'm sort of looking at it through. So I said to Alexi, the, past, the question you posed on Twitter on the pod last night, do you buy the sinuses excuse from Amanda? My answer is no. The reasons are many, I, I wrote. The night Amanda won was exciting. My wife grew up just a few hours north of Amanda, who grew up in Salvador Bahia. We were struck by how many times she used the word champion during the post-fight presser. So here we are. We're both excited. New Brazilian champion. And she keeps saying champion, 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 champion. And it kind of reminded me of how Uriah Faber and Justin Buckholds were saying, wait till Henry Cejudo does a press conference for Benavides, the fight with Benavides. He is going to say the word gold medal 27 times. We'll, we'll like, we'll, you know, we'll take a drink every time he says, he says gold medal. And so it was hilarious. And I realized that Amanda did the same thing. And my wife quickly kind of dismissed her at that point as oh my god here she goes I'm the champion I'm the champion champion gotta fight everybody I'm the champion so whoever they want me to fight I'm the champion I need to defend and she went into all this stuff and my wife's like oh god you know and she immediately became disenchanted with Amanda not that that matters or any of you care about that but I'm giving a Brazilian person's perspective someone who grew up poor like Amanda did grew up with without a lot and struggled to get to America and make a life for herself, which both of my wife and, and Amanda did. And the point, um, the point of it is, is that 
right after that, Juliana Pena was then asking for a shot, and she's like, no way, <laughs> not giving you a shot, I'm waiting for Ronda, so that whole, I'm the champion, I gotta fight everyone, because I'm the champion, the champion, the champion, the champion, the champion, and all of a sudden, no, Juliana, you can't have a shot, because I'm gonna wait for Ronda, now, while I don't agree with that, I can understand that she wanted to wait for Ronda, and get that big paycheck, I think we can all sympathize with somebody that wanted to get life-changing money now apparently she only made 200k in salary but in pay-per-view points who knows she might have made a ton of money in pay-per-view points so i'm going to get a drink real quick so when we look at uh when we look at that that's thing number one so she denies uh um juliana Pena and she waits for Ronda Rousey, and the point that you should understand that you've heard on several podcasts, and you're going to hear it on this one, is that Amanda flourishes in the role of the hunter. Not the hunted, apparently, as the hunter. And if you don't think that Amanda was the hunter during that Ronda Rousey fight, you're out of your freaking mind. Because Amanda was the hunter during that fight because Ronda Rousey got all the press and thankfully our MMA media pointed out why isn't the UFC pushing this this girl's a great story there's a lot to get from her uh her growing her growing up down in Bahia um the afro uh centric uh, afrocentric or I should say the uh afro-brazilian um uh, central area of Brazil is Bahia and it's an interesting place. My wife loves it. Been on vacation there. Of the very few places she went on vacation when she was uh, in her 20s, uh, Bahia was one of them. So, um, anyway, so that's the point. There was a lot there to get to, and the UFC didn't get to it. It was all about Ronda, and Ronda's comeback. She wouldn't even talk to the media, so we all knew she was terrified, and I had no zero designs, really, that Rousey was going to win this fight. I just knew that Amanda, you know, all she had to do was stop that judo throw, stop that scarf hold, and it was over with the power she had. We saw what she had done to Misha Tate in taking the belt. We knew the power she had, and, and and she was just getting better, and there was no doubt she was going to blast Rousey because Rousey has absolutely ned, no head movement. She wasn't sparring. All her sparring partners uh, had a complete non-disclosure agreement so they wouldn't talk about what happened. And again, it's not open sparring like you, you would have in a lot of gyms where it's just, hey, man, you go in there and you have at it, and you keep fighting until the coach you know, blows the whistle and says stop. So I've been in sparring. I've seen Claudia. I've seen... A lot of MMA sparring for professional UFC fighters, and it can get pretty brutal. And obviously, Ronda didn't have that to prepare her, and she was in shock when she got popped by uh, Amanda a couple of times. So, this uh, would have helped Amanda to be in the role of the hunter, uh, of the hunter again. But now with Valentina, she felt like the hunted. And her entire identity, if you look at Dominic Cruz, when he lost the belt, and people are like, Dominic, you know, Ariel Helwani, how are you doing? How are you getting along with losing your belt to Cody? He goes, I'm fine. You know, I am not, that belt is not me. You know, that's not my whole identity. Okay, even though he grew up in a similar circumstance, albeit in Arizona, to, to what uh, Amanda grew up in. 
Um, Dominic famously grew up in trailer parks in Tucson, Arizona. But his whole identity is not wrapped up in that belt. And it was very clear to see from the first press conference that Amanda's was. She was wrapped up. Uh, that, that belt was her entire identity. And that's fine. I'm not, you know, she worked for it. She earned it. I'm not here to try to rain on her parade. I'm just trying to state what I saw from this young lady, okay? And then I've heard other media members say things like, she went and did a lot of appearances for the UFC. You know, that travel schedule can really get to you. You know what? That travel schedule is optional. It's optional. You do that travel schedule when you're not in camp. And since she defended the belt one time in a year, so that's an average of one fight every six months, that ain't somebody who's rushing to get in the cage and defend. Had she been hungry to go out and prove, she, yeah, come on, Juliana, I'll kick your ass and then I'll kick Rousey's ass. You know, there are champions like that. There are people like that. She wasn't one of them. Um, and you know what? I'm not going to rain on her parade for that. She wanted to get that big payday. She was able to buy a condo uh, for her and her girlfriend, Nina Ansaroff, to live in. God bless them. I'm happy for them. And I wish them nothing but success. That's not what the, it's not about raining on Juliana's parade, excuse me, on Amanda's parade or trying to make her look bad or feel bad. I'm very happy for her success. But her identity was wrapped in that, wrapped up in that belt, not like Cruz. That's why she only defended once in a year and she was in no hurry to defend it again. Okay, I'll wait for Val let Amanda and Valentina fight and then excuse me, Juliana and Valentina fight and I'll take the winner of that one. So Juliana had to fight again when in fact her record was deserving of a title shot without her fighting Valentina. Okay. Then we found out who the better fighter, the more complete fighter was. We've been saying for year or I've been saying for years since she was on Tough that this girl, Juliana Pena, is not getting proper training to develop her to the point where she could be like an Amanda Nunes or a Valentina because of where she trains. And I just don't believe in that camp, and nobody's going to make me believe in it. Um, you saw Michael Kidd, these very limited fighters. They don't check leg kicks. They don't think leg kicks or body kicks should hurt you. So if that's their coach, Rich Little or whatever, I don't want him anywhere near uh, me or my fighters. If I were if I were managing or, or coaching, I wouldn't want him anywhere near. So um, so anyway, so so then uh, as we uh, when it comes to face an opponent, now she's going to face Amanda is facing a girl who basically had the same attitude that Tony Ferguson had when he was facing down Khabib. So Khabib shows up at the stuff. Normally he sees some fear in their eyes. Normally he sees their hand twitch. Normally he looks deep into their eyes and he sees some fear. And he knows that he is going to capitalize on that fear that he sees in his opponent. And I'm not going to name any of those opponents. But you guys know what I'm talking about. Well, Amanda shows up at a press conference with Valentina. And similarly, she does so... You know, when Khabib shows up for Tony, and Tony's like, fuck you, man. He goes, you ain't shit. You ain't got shit for me. My jiu-jitsu's better than yours. My striking's better than yours. And even though it wasn't, he's like, my wrestling's better than yours. I'm going to snap your ass down. He had no fear 
about about Khabib. He's like, take me down. I'm going to guillotine your ass. You know, I'm going to darsh choke your ass. So he had zero fear about Khabib Nurmagomedov. Zero. And that, I'm sure, resonated with Khabib. I'm sure by now he has seen fear in his opponents. It's deep in there, but I'm sure he saw it. I'm sure he saw it in Michael Johnson. And that's not to say they're scared of him, but I'm sure he sees, feels something. And whatever it is that they move back from him a little bit, you know, and I don't I don't mean in literal terms, but in figurative terms, maybe in that stare down, Tony didn't have that. And I believe Amanda Nunes stared into the eyes of Valentina Shevchenko and didn't see any of that back down. Am I saying that Amanda Nunes is scared of Valentina Shevchenko? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I bet you're trying to say that. No, I'm not trying to say that. I am saying that she didn't see fear in the eyes of her opponent like she might have seen in a different opponent. Or may have seen in the past or may have seen in Rousey. Because after all, we know Rousey was afraid she wouldn't do any interviews. She did one stare down with her. She walked off Kate off stage, and then Amanda reads in the fucking internet that uh, that uh, there was a witness that saw Rhonda crying and had her head buried in Edmund's shoulder. You gonna be scared of that girl? I don't think so. Did she have a healthy you know respect for Rhonda and what she could do? Sure, she did. But do you think she was scared of Rhonda when she heard that? That during that New York, uh, that UFC 205 stare down, she turns around and storms off stage and, and, and then cried on Edmund's shoulder. And people, there were uh, MMA media uh, members that were witness to it. Come on. She wasn't afraid of Ronda. And she wasn't afraid of Valentina. She probably saw that Valentina had zero fear, zero back down, and was ready for her. Came in on weight to the fight. Showed up on weight. Okay, we're going to get to some of the most significant uh, things here. There's a couple of things. I'm posing the question now. If Amanda goes to the, if Amanda gets sick and she goes to the hospital, I believe the first time they said was after the weigh-in, I'm not sure. And then again the next day, if she goes to the hospital with Nina Ansarov and her team, all of which are fucking bilingual, why are there journalists saying, I don't know if it was a language? There's no language barrier. Her girlfriend speaks fucking English. Her team is all bilingual. Cattell Kubis, all those guys speak English. Okay, if she went over there and went to the hospital and said, I think, first of all, they have her on camera a year ago in 2016 saying that she had a sinus issue. Okay, that's fine. So you don't think she'd go to the hospital and say, my sinuses hurt. Where are your fucking sinuses? They're on your face. You know where they are. So if you have pain there, you say, I've got pain on my face. My sinuses are clot. They're inflamed. She knows that. There's nothing, this is nothing new uh, to be able to explain that. Then we're not having doctors saying, I can't find anything wrong with her. She's fucking cleared. So that Dana White goes on camera with Megan O'Leary and says, I don't know what's wrong with her. She said she doesn't feel right. I think it's 90% uh, mental and 10% physical. 
Why doesn't he know what's wrong with her? Because now it's the next day. It's fight night. And we still don't know? Okay, so if that's the case, and then she's saying she went back to the doctor the day after, she goes to the hospital, and then and then they figured out that it was sinusitis. Well, she knows her sinuses hurt. She said that a year ago. They That, that video was posted uh, a year ago that she had had sinus issues. So if she had a sinus issue, she goes there and says, I have a problem with my sinuses. The doctors could have done the CT scan. They could have gave antibiotics. Whatever the case may be, and then, okay, we have an established reason. But now, we're not after the weigh-in, and we're not after the second trip. Now, we're, we're the night of the fight, and Dana still doesn't know what happened with her because the, uh, Amanda's team hasn't told her. It's her sinuses, because she probably hasn't told the hospital. And you know why? Because she probably went to the hospital and said, I don't know what's wrong. I don't feel good. To which the doctors say, okay, what hurts? What's, what's the problem? I don't know. Well, if you don't know, how are they going to know? If your sinuses hurt, and I've had sinus pain before, you fucking know it. It hurts where your face is. And you're putting Afrin and shit up your nose to try to clear those sinuses out and get that those sinuses evacuated because pressure builds up there i get it i've had it and when you have it there ain't no doubt that you what that what it is and that's one of the reasons i'm suspicious and i'm going to give you issue number two because i wrote this to alexi old as well this is a quote from joanna yin jacek yo jacek said but the weight cuts, the preparations are very heavy, very hard, and very tough for our bodies and our brains. I'm going to repeat. Yoani and Jacek said, and I quote, But the weight cuts, the preparations are very heavy, very hard, and very tough for our bodies and brains. Does that sound like someone pointing to a definite medical condition? A definite reason why she couldn't bring herself to fight? Does that sound like that to you? Joanna, as a member of ATT, I guarantee had access to Amanda's hotel room. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. And when she first heard that Amanda was pulling out by text or by phone, or by whatever, where do you think she went to? She went to Amanda's room. I don't know this, I can't prove this, but I have been in the hotel at UFC events on four or five occasions at least. At least that many. And all the fighters from that team have access to the fighters' hotel rooms. And she could have gone, knocked on the door, knock, knock, knock. Hey, it's Joanna. What's going on? Let me, oh man, what's going on, Amanda? Why can't you go? And and the quote that came out of Yinjacek, uh, and undoubtedly, undoubtedly seeing Amanda, the day of the fight is, but the weight cuts, comma, the preparations are very heavy, very hard, and very tough for our bodies and brains. 
Does that sound like somebody saying, so Valentina already said to you, I think she had a bad weight cut. She came in with too much weight, tried to cut it, and then she didn't feel good. Does that right there sound like, oh, she has a really bad sinus problem, and that's why she has a lot of pain in her face, and that's why she can't fight and get hit in the face? Does that sound like that? It doesn't. It sounds like exactly like what Dana White said, doesn't it? It sounds exactly like what Valentino Shevchenko suspected having spent a couple of days around Amanda, doesn't it? And watching her open workout and seeing her at the weigh-in and how she moved and how she walked and how she held how she held her head and held up her fist and everything. You've seen Johnny Hendricks have to get helped over, helped to the scale and get his clothes on. You've seen that stuff. Cerrone and other fighters. So if if you want to get angry with me over this, listen to what Dana said. Listen to what Valerie said. Listen to what Joanna Yanjacek, her teammate, said. Her teammate. She didn't say anything about sinuses. She didn't say anything about... She's damaged, she's hurt, she's sick and she can't go. She said, preparation, weight cuts, preparations, heavy, hard, tough for bodies and brains. No shit. It's tough on every fighter's brain and you know what, and bodies and brains and in preparations. You know what makes it even more tough? When you come in too heavy. And nobody knows that better than me because I've had it happen to a bunch of friends of mine. And it's very sad that it happened to them. But it means that they're not getting proper advice from their team. And the team is not demanding that they be weighing in every day for two weeks before the fight. And managing and they have to be on weight every fucking day. So that way you don't show up on Tuesday going, oh shit, I got to lose 15 pounds or whatever. And now it's Friday and you weigh in and you feel like shit because you have no water left in your body. I'm not going to go into that again. But I'm trying to get this across to you guys. This is, this is what, I, what makes a lot more sense to me than my sinuses hurt really bad and I had to get antibiotics so I couldn't fight. Because if it was her sinuses and she went to the hospital the day of the after the weigh-in, she would have said, "It's my sinuses." She's already been. She's already told you in the media, and you can find that clip where they're at a press conference, and she says, "I have a sinus issue." A year ago, I'm not doubting that she has a sinus issue. No doubt. I'm not doubting that it's hot and 120 degrees and fucking miserable in Vegas. And guess what? All the other fighters had to deal with it too. Everybody else had to deal with it. Valentina had to deal with it. And everybody else had to deal with it. It sucks. And it's part of the game. I've been there. I've been in the, I've been in every country in the Middle East in miserable, miserable heat. And maybe not every country, but almost every country. From Afghanistan to Iraq to Bahrain to Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Kuwait, Qatar, you know, everywhere. Uh, it's Dubai, you know, 
okay? You know, I'm not trying to impress you guys, but I've been in intense heat, and granted, I didn't have to get ready for a fight. And that, But that's what these guys do. They're young, they're in their 20s, and that's what they do. Um, and, and I do feel bad for Amanda because obviously she was feeling something that told her that she couldn't fight. That's the point. I get it. And I'm not saying she should fight because I or you or somebody else in the media or someone from another team or someone from her team says you should fight. But if she shouldn't, she should. they should have a, uh, that clause where they give up the belt. Because in wrestling, as I wrote in uh, my fan post on Bloody Elbow, um, and in IBJJF competition and Abu Dhabi competition in international and NCAA wrestling. If you do not show up, and high school wrestling, if you're wrestling and you do not show up for your championship match or any match, the other person wins. If that means it's a gold medal in the Olympics, guess what? They just won gold. If you say, my sinus is hurt, I can't wrestle in the gold medal match, okay, sorry. They, you got silver. So that's the way it goes. Do I feel bad for Amanda? Because obviously whatever it was made her feel like she couldn't fight. Yes, I feel bad. If that makes you feel better or not, it, I felt bad. But that is not the fucking issue. The issue is that I believe something was fabricated with this. And, and Valentina didn't get to go home and get the endorsements and get the pay and get the uh, speaking engagements. And when I say pay, I mean the UFC championship level pay, the Reebok level pay. And she's not going to get it for next fight either. She got a portion of her salary and said, see you later, sweetie. We'll, we'll let you know when Amanda's ready to fight. Does that sound fair to you? Valentina should be choosing when they fight next and Amanda should have to show up because Valentina already did the work, came in on weight, ready to rock and roll, ready to fight, maybe got in Amanda's head. Not saying, again, not saying Amanda's afraid of her. Not saying that. Maybe she got in her head a little bit. And now, uh, now, Okay, fortunately, it's going to be September 14th or 15th, uh, UFC 215 in Edmonton. I think it, or I could be wrong, but it's UFC in Edmonton. It was going to be about, just about two months from when the, the other fight was supposed to have happened until uh, this next fight happens in Edmonton. And is that fair to Valentina? She's already training in Texas. You think she's going to fly her team back to Thailand now? Uh, and then come back to Texas and then go back to Colorado? Is it is it fair that now she has to spend that money that she did get that covered her expenses for last time and then she probably got a little extra to throw in the bank? Is it fair that she has to spend that money and go back to Thailand again? Uh, not really, So, because Amanda was going to stay home at ATT anyway. So now Valentina has, in essence, excuse me, Amanda has dictated 
to some degree at least, and she's not forcing her. Certainly Valentina could go spend whatever money she wants to, but now she has to do it again in the space of 60 days to go and spend that money again to go back to Tiger Muay Thai and sharpen up her Muay Thai and then come back to Houston and work on her jiu-jitsu and stuff and then come back up to Colorado and work on her wrestling and finishing touches in the altitude. So now it's it's on her to do that. No fault of her own. She showed. Is it Amanda's fault she didn't show? At least some of it. I mean, she could have gone and fought, but she didn't feel ready to fight. I'm not sure how legitimate it was. I don't have any proof to say that it wasn't, but I presented you with some evidence to suggest that it might have been bullshit. And that is based on the statements of when you balance the statements of her own teammate, Ioana Yenjacek, which nobody's picking up on that, with Valentino's assessment as well of being in front of Amanda. She has seen Amanda. She has spent uh, 15 minutes in the cage with Amanda. She's been at press conferences with Amanda. She's uh, seen her open workouts, and she's had face-offs with Amanda, and she's had weigh-ins with Amanda, and she knows what she's supposed to look like and said she came in heavy to gain an advantage. We've seen it a million times with a million different fighters that have done that. From uh, Tiago Alves, you could go on down the line. They have tried to come in real heavy and cut. I'm not going to go into every name. I'm already going to be in trouble doing what I'm doing here, I'm sure. But, but that's what Valerie said. That's what Joanna said. Dana White still didn't know what was wrong with her the night of. And, and then the next day... 24 hours after, it comes out and says, ah, it was my sinuses. Because they had to come up with something. And it doesn't pass the smell test with me. Have I any proof that she is not being 100% truthful? I don't. I'm giving you another opinion. I'm offering another unpopular opinion that will probably make me something of a target. But I got to be honest about it. Because everybody wants to blame Dana White, who is a, just a, you know, a jackass of a person. We all know that. He's a blowhard. He's petulant when things don't go his way. And this time, he might just be right. He might just be right. Just like with the John Jones thing. I disagreed 100% that John Jones could not have saved the event and fought Chael Sonnen at the time. But John wants to dictate the terms of everything, and he needed to go back. And he and Greg Jackson made up this this uh, uh, bullshit story, and Dana White called him a sport killer, and and they canceled the event. Ultimately, is it the UFC's fault that the card wasn't strong enough to stand without John Jones? Yes, it was. When Dan Henderson had to pull out due to an injury, yes, it it was their fault. But John could have saved it and been the actual hero that he purported himself to be uh, when he won the title in uh, New Jersey, when he beat uh, uh, when he beat Shogun Hua and was acting like he was this crime-fighting superhero. He could have been the superhero and taken on Chael Sonnen, who he would have beat the hell of out of because Chael Sonnen had, even on the juice that he was on then, had absolutely nothing to beat John Jones with, and he wouldn't have beat John Jones, and we all know that, and we all saw that the fight didn't last more than like a round when they actually did fight. Stupid fight that it was. So, um, 
you know, but John didn't want to be the hero because he's not a hero. So I agreed with Dana that time, and I agree with Dana this time. Does that mean that he's not a jackass? No, it doesn't mean that. But if that's your narrative, that Dana says bad things about coming on in, excuse me, if your narrative is Dana says bad things about fighters and acts like a fool when things don't go his way, you know what? That's not very insightful because we all know that. What I want to get to the bottom of is what the hell happened with Amanda Nunes for real. And if this really was a medical condition that should have kept her from it, then why didn't gangster ass Joanna and Jacek tell us, hey, she had a medical condition, instead of saying what we said earlier. Training is hard, weight cuts hard, our brains and our bodies take a lot of damage and stress. Yeah, okay. We know that too. Uh, but it speaks volumes because I guarantee you that Yuanda Yenjacek, before she offer, even offered herself up to fight Valentina, to step in there, gangster as she is with no training, not even on diet, um, gangster as she is, I guarantee you that she had access to Amanda, saw her, talked to her, probably saw her crying, swollen eyes, the whole nine yards, not being able to figure out what's wrong with her. And they, they were able to concoct a narrative that Dana should probably have con concocted himself that would absolve Amanda of blame. And, and at least in the public eye, paint her as being somebody that was faultless in this thing and somebody that we wanted to see again. So I'm not saying I'm not a fan of Amanda and not saying that I don't want to see her fight and I don't think that she is an incredible story of perseverance, of coming up here from Brazil and chasing her dream. I admire Amanda. I do. I'm just saying I smell bullshit in this particular instance. Could I be wrong? Sure. I'm just providing you with an alternate narrative to what's been out there in the rest of MMA media or the large majority of MMA media. I'm not sitting here being some squeam, screaming Twitter, Instagram jerk saying she should have fought. That's her choice whether or not she fights. I'm not trying to decide for her that she should have fought. I'm trying to tell you I want to hear the truth about what happened. Maybe it's not convenient to tell the truth because if she was not feeling it, if it was a combination of her sinuses not being too good and mentally she just couldn't get there, then maybe that's something you don't want to tell the fan base or the or the UFC. But hell, your boss Dana White already thinks it, and he already says that you're not going to get uh, be on, be on a uh, uh, get the pay per view points for uh, or be the main the main event. So which gets the larger percentage of the pay per view points? So. Who suffers now? Not only you, Valentina suffers. What'd she do wrong? Zero again. So, again, I'm going to call this the last word on it. it um, it's ugly. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to talk about it because I, I respect Amanda. And I like Amanda. And I don't want to try to sully her name. Uh, over this thing.
but um, and I decided today I wanted to to keep it real with everybody and I wanted to um, I wanted to let it be known because I feel like I feel like um, everybody was was quick to jump to her defense and quick to slam Dana White with something that's not even a take. It's not even a take to say Dana White says bad things about fighters and he's an idiot about. That's a take? Like, that's even worth posting on Twitter? It's like the sky's blue. Dana White's a jerk. Same thing. We all know that. So, I'd like to see people have a little bit uh, a little bit better of a of a take on these things and and try a little bit harder so with that um i think i'll leave you guys and um i will say good night for now we have some other things coming up i did want once again i wanted to um congratulate kareem zidane about um his uh, story on ramzan kadrov and what he's doing in Chechnya, and he is basically drafting a team of about 5,000 fighters that he then takes the best of and keeps them on the Akhmat fight team, and then the rest of them uh, he takes into the military to be these trained killers. And he basically, um, you know, is trying to chase every gay person out of his country and torture gay people, and he's just a despicable man, and seeing the faces of Fabricio Verdum, somebody whom, if you listen to this show with any regularity at all, you know that I have tremendous regard for Fabricio, and um, and I'm very sort of sad that um, that uh, he would he would go and say, yeah, that's my man. Can't wait to see your brother and see that Frank Edgar was over there and Frank Mir and um, and Chris Weidman and um, I think it's it's kind of sick and um, I don't think it's something that uh, these guys should be bragging about because if the guy is doing bad things to people I don't care if he wants to pay me money to come over there and I'm telling you right there is a guy who's not making a lot of money now you know, I'm a military retiree um, and uh, living on not much more than my retired salary at the moment. And I would not take his money to come over there and pretend to uh, be his friend if he's not the type of guy who's protecting human rights and not just some strong man that's been installed by Putin to run uh, Chechnya in his, uh, you know, with his vision of... Um, you know, basically ruling with an iron fist and the fact that they've tortured gay people and things like that is not something I can get behind and I wouldn't take his money and I wouldn't go visit no matter how much money he he offered me. So um, so that's what I have to say. Thank you very much to Kareem Sedan. I actually might, uh, if I can get intelligent enough on this subject to have him on and actually have an interesting discussion, I plan on getting him. I've also talked to Alexi Old from uh, Bloody Elbow. He would like to come on. I'm going to do a life episode as well. I told you I'm going to have uh, uh, yoga uh, super instructor Sonny Ali on here. And Sonny, I think, will be uh, very interesting to, to get 
He is a man's man of a yoga instructor, so sort of in line with what you guys, you MMA and BJJ heads, are all about. Um, he runs it a little bit like Navy, <laughs> like you would you would expect like a Navy SEAL at the front of the class, the way that he runs things. He's like, I don't want to hear any crying or whining. I want you to do the work. And the work is going to be hard, and you're going to be jiggling and stressing. And, and you know, he does have compassion. He does uh, adjust you and pregnant women that will sometimes come to class. Um, they won't have to do everything we're doing. But his classes are very, very challenging. They're not very touchy-feely, although that can be soothing in a yoga class. These are not that. These are tough, tough classes, and I guarantee you everything he's telling you to do, man, he can, he, when he demos, man, he's, he's a tremendous, tremendous physical specimen who weighs something like 135 pounds or 140 pounds, so, I'm probably 5'7 or so, 8, 5'8, somewhere around there. Anyway, um, so guys, so we will have Sonny. Uh, we will get some more journalists on. We're going to have Kid Nate on. We're going to do a, a rock and roll version of Care Don't Care where I make a list of bands that I want to talk to Nate about and he tells me care or don't care, 60s, 70s bands, maybe some 80s bands as well, and he'll tell me care, don't care, and why. And it should be very funny, very entertaining, and I'm going to challenge Nate if he really doesn't like someone that I like, so... Um, so we'll go like that. And if I like somebody like I like you too, and he hates him, uh, he may give me some, some shit as well. So, uh, thank you very much for uh, listening to the show. Again, it's at MMA underscore BJJ underscore and life on Twitter. And it is, um, it is, uh, let's see, uh, DJ San Marco one at Gmail. If you want to e email and tell me how terrible a person I am uh, and how much I need to um, just jump in a hole or that I'm not too bad. So whatever you want to tell me. All right. And I think this is an appropriate song to take us out to. We started off with uh, Led Zeppelin, as always. And here's, she's a, for Amanda, the lovely and talented Amanda. She's a